Welcome to the podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Matt Smith, here with the Strength Talking Shop podcast. Our sponsor this week is Optimum Nutrition Athletics with Dave Harvey. We all know that protein is the key to muscle and recovery, and Gold Standard's best-selling 100% whey protein provides 24 grams of protein that mixes easily using just a glass and spoon. Optimum Nutrition's Gold Standard 100% whey is made in their state-of-the-art facility. It's banned substance tested by Informed Choice. And Optimum Nutrition Athletics, you can get different uh, products such as their Pro Gainer, which is their Mass Gainer, Protein Snacks, crisp Bars, Wafers, and Cake Bites, and Almonds. And after dominating the sports and nutrition industry for over 30 years, newly created Optimum Nutrition Athletics brings that same trust and quality. You notice how to put convenient options for protein in the hands of athletes who desire to become bigger, stronger, and better at their sport. If this is something that you're interested in getting into your facility with your athletes or your clients, reach out to Dave Harvey of Optimum Nutrition Athletics. All of his information is down in the show notes. Highly suggest you get this into your facilities, guys. They're... Uh, their products are, you know, just the best out there. They're, we all know that their whey protein is awesome. I absolutely love it. Use it every single day. They also have really great options for protein to get into your athlete's hands. When I was coaching, it was something that I always uh, was trying to figure out is how can I get good quality protein quickly into my athlete's hands. And every single day, I know for me, it's really helpful for me to grab one of those crisp bars, wafers, or cake bites whenever I'm in a rush or something like that. So make sure you reach out to Dave Harvey of Optimum Nutrition Athletics. If this is something you're interested in, again, all of that is down in the show notes. Our guest this week for the Strength Talking Shop podcast is Ryan Costanza of Kansas City Strength and Conditioning. Ryan is a wonderful person. We talk a lot about assessments on this podcast, the clientele that he's working with at Kansas City, um, kind of how he got started in strength and conditioning as well. And he ends the podcast on a really uh, fun note where he talks about a story of, of playing Juco baseball and just the craziness that is with that with Juco. So make sure you stay till the end to listen to that. Uh, thank you, Ryan, for being the uh, guest this week on the podcast. He also has his own podcast. Go ahead and plug it here, the Untamed Podcast. Make sure you guys reach out to him. Uh, all of his information is going to be down in the show notes. Check out his podcast as well. Uh, thank you to all of our past guests, all of our future guests. A lot of great things coming up here, guys. Uh, make sure you rate, review, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts at. We are also now on YouTube where you'll find small clips and full episodes. Uh, starting to get some of the past episodes up there, so make sure you hit the subscribe button. And uh, I just appreciate everybody that supports this podcast, everybody. And uh, so I hope everybody's doing all right. A lot of uh, good things are coming along the way. And everybody, stay strong. What's up, guys? Strength Talking Shop podcast. Ryan Costanza of Kansas City Strength and Conditioning this morning. Fellow Kansas Cityan, what's going on this morning, brother? Hey, man. How you doing, Matt? I'm doing pretty good. It's somebody that uh, pretty awesome to, to follow on social media. I'm pretty pumped to actually get to sit in front of him over Zoom and, and yeah, chat dude. a little bit and, and connect with you, brother. So I'm super pumped to have you on. Dude, I'm excited to be here. Like, uh, I know we've, you know, we've been talking the past few days and just seeing the, the people you've had on here. Um, it's, you know, it's cool what you're doing with the podcast. So being on here, dude, this is, this is freaking cool. And yeah, dude, I think, uh, I think I do pretty well on social media. I think I'm, uh, I think I'm pretty entertaining. I don't know if any, I don't know if people agree with that, but I think I'm, I think I'm super entertaining. So, so Listen, appreciate that. I love those late nights when I, when, or maybe it's an early evening when you say the bourbon's flowing or the, or the bush lights. <laughs> yeah, are going. So I know there's going to be yeah. some, uh, 
uh-huh some fun those nights yeah and funny story about that um one of those nights dude one of those bourbon nights i i was kind of going on a rant and um i called out god who was it bulletproof bulletproof coffee I remember that. I called out bulletproof coffee and, and they tweeted me back. So that was, I thought that was funny. And the next day when I saw that and I was like, Oh, well, I guess, I guess people are paying attention when I, when I go on those rants. So, <laughs> so that, I thought that was pretty funny. I love it, man. Uh, I love there's no filters and like, I don't, I don't give a crap sometimes. Cause I mean, there's so many uh, bad influencers out there, especially in this industry, man, that are just snake oil salesmen. It's crazy. Yep. And Dave, I think Dave Asprey's one of them, dude. So I'll be the one to say it, dude. I'll be the one to say it. <laughs> Love it, dude. Well, you know, for the listeners, um, kind of give them a little, you know, rundown of your past, you know, what you're doing now over at Kansas City Strength Conditioning. You know, I've, I had Matt on as a previous episode. It's a great guy, man. Yeah, so I mean, you guys yeah. are doing some awesome stuff. You know, as somebody, when I came back to Kansas City, it was really cool to see a facility like your guys and what you're doing on the day-to-day. But, you know, kind of give me, give me the rundown. So yeah, dude, like you, you mentioned before, I'm, I'm local. I'm from Kansas City. I grew up here um, in Overland Park. I went to Olathe East. And like, if you have like consistent listeners, this is, if they listen to Matt Hinckley, like Matt and I are so similar that it's, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of funny. Um, I was a football, baseball guy, just like him going, growing up in high school. Um, I didn't start lifting weights until, man, I want to say going into junior year. Um, and the reason I got into it was because, well, my dad was a, he was a power lifter in college. Um, so I had that eighties mentality coming from him. So I didn't have the best knowledge, you know, when I was in high school, just like Matt and probably just like you as well, you know, when you're, when you're coming up. Um, and I had a, a baseball coach, a summer coach tell me that, um, you know, I wasn't, he's like, you, I don't think you're big enough to play college baseball. I think playing college baseball is a risk for you. And so after that, boom, there was a, you know, a little fire inside of me. And that's when I started really lifting weights. I put on probably 20 pounds. Um, so I was like 180. I was like, I went from like 155, 160 to like 180 going into my junior year. And see, yeah. So I, I figured something, you know, something happened, puberty, whatever, what have you figured it out. And then um, just started noticing the changes on the field. I had a few uh, looks at, you know, division one, just like Matt did. Um, ironically at BYU was looking at me. Um, I, I didn't know they were a Mormon school until, you know, hindsight, but, and that's not a big deal, but I, I just think that's funny. Cause I was like, oh, I, I had no idea they were a Mormon school. Um, also uh, got looks from Murray state ultimately ended up going the Juco route, just like Matt. We were in the same conference. Didn't even know it. I went to garden city. He was at um, Hutch. Okay. Um, I stayed there for a year and then I had an opportunity to, to work out with uh, Washburn. Um, I did and they offered me on the spot. And so I was like, Hey man, this is a ticket out of garden shitty. So I'm a, I'm gonna take it. And so um, played at Washburn. I was there for about, I played one full season and I actually hung it up early um, because of injuries. And that's kind of when I went full, full board into strength conditioning um, you know, I have this, you know, whenever I talk to athletes, you know, and they're talking about, you know, bumps and bruises, aches and pains, I go, Hey man, point to a body part guarantee I've had issues there. Um, and so when I got into strength conditioning, my big thing was how can I keep these athletes healthy? How can I keep, how can I get them to improve performance, um, without sacrificing 
you know, them having shoulder pain, back pain, what have you. So that's kind of how I got into it. Um, I took a little bit different route than Matt did. He obviously, he fell into the, uh, he got to go to Cressy. He worked, he was there uh, as an athlete and then he was an intern. Um, you know, when I, I did my internship, I didn't really, I didn't really know a whole lot of names in the industry. So I was at some small little, uh, you know, sports rehab place in Topeka, Kansas. Um, I worked with a guy named Willie, who's uh, I think he's out of Wichita now. He's a, he was a real cool guy. You know, he taught me a lot, but man, little did I know that I was about to just jump into the fire. Um, so I had my first strength job um, here in Kansas city with uh, at Will Shields um, performance facility. And I was with two guys and one guy was a big Mike Boyle guy. So that's kind of how I got my, uh, my start was kind of that Mike Boyle mentality. Um, and then from there, dude, it just kind of, it just kind of grew. And, um, I ended up interning at Stanford university. You said you were at Kentucky. Yeah. Um, I was at Stanford for, uh, the fall and I got to work with football track. I got to see, so they have so many sports there. So yeah. I was just exposed to so many different, um, coaching techniques and, and just that, that, that environment. And then probably a week after I got home, I went and had lunch with John and Matt cause I met them a couple of years prior and, you know, they were asking me what I was doing and I was like, well, I just got, got back from California and, you know, trying to figure out what the next move is. And I, I remember John was just like, Oh, come work with us, man. And I was like, Oh, just like that. All right, cool. <laughs> and so that's kind of, that's kind of how it started, man. So yeah, former athlete, um, just, I'm just, just trying to, you know, figure it out just like the rest of these coaches are. So. Yeah. That's, that's, my, a cool, that's my story. That's a cool beginning, man. Uh, it's always great to, when you kind of fall into it and you kind of don't really know what you're expecting and then you kind of get into it and you're like, holy crap, it opens up Pandora's box. Absolutely. Uh, man. When, were, when were you at Stanford? The reason why I ask is that one of my best friends, he actually ran uh, cross country there, actually won the, I think he won the Pac-12. He got third nationals running from Stanford. He talked about their strength program, even from a cross country wow. side, how awesome it was. Um, what years were you there? Um, I was there end of 2018. Okay. So, so yeah. Yeah. But they, they actually, their track program is actually, um, it's pretty good because their track coach, he actually, you know, he, yeah, we have a strength coach for track. Um, and I'm forgetting his name right now, which that sucks because he was one of my favorite coaches there. Um, I hope I remember it cause I, you know, I want to give him a shout out, but, um, yeah, their head coach, he, um, he helps out with the, some of the programming, like, you know, it's all like they kind of bring their heads together when they do it. So I think that's kind of cool. And he, he knows a lot of stuff about strength conditioning, which I was blown away by because, you know, a lot of time coaches have that, you know, like as strength coaches, we butt heads with, you know, the, the actual sport coaches right? because, you know, they don't know what they don't know, but, but we knew like we know. And so it was kind of cool to see that they were able to collaborate and um so yeah strength stanford um track team has a great strength program and obviously yeah. they have tons of all americans national champions um mackenzie little man like she was i think she was back-to-back -back national champs in the uh God, what is it javelin from australia she's a stud man and i got to i got to work out with her coach her and just like stuff like that man it's crazy just to see how different those athletes are what I know getting into their internship program is not easy. That's one of the, no, dude, it's not. That's it a was really, a, that's a really yeah. hard internship to get into. 
Yeah, it was interesting. The interview is like, um, and I'm not, I don't mean this in a bad way, but it's a very dry interview. So you have no idea if it's like you're doing well or not. They have like timed questions you have to answer. And, and so, yeah, so I, I don't know, man, I, I did the best I could. And then I ended up getting a call back and they invited me to come down. So I was like, yeah, let's, let's do it. Did you get so, the blender question? I've heard people that get that question from them. Um, I don't know if I got the blender question. Okay. I don't okay. think I had the blender question. I don't remember, to be honest with you. What, I just was, remember. what was your biggest takeaway from your internship there? Uh, my biggest takeaway, man, is that there's a thousand ways to skin a cat. That's my biggest takeaway. Just because, you know, when Coach Turley was there, yeah, he was kind of like, he had this foundation that he wanted his coaches to follow. But at the same time, he wanted each coach to kind of be an individual. Okay. and how they coach so you know seeing how like uh the um olympics coach i guess the olympic olympic weightlifting coach uh coach friedrich um he likes more autonomy with his athletes so he's going to teach and he's going to coach but he's going to kind of hang out on the outside and he wants them to be able to you know get their equipment set up uh, run through their warm-up and kind of you know run it on their own and then when he needs to step in you know he's going to he's going to step in and, and, um, intervene when, when he needs to. So that was interesting. Um, and dang, I can't remember that coach's name, man. That that's going to, that's going to get me a uh, guest, uh, guesser coach guesser. Okay. He was, uh, he's, he's doing the, uh, track and field. He's a, he's a stud, man. He was fun. He was fun to work with. Um, so yeah, dude, there's, there's no, there's a right and wrong way, but there's no, there's not one answer to every question for for any athlete it's it's so it's there's so much context that as coaches we have to pay attention to and understand that you know in a college setting it's so much different than you know like what we do at kcsc like we we have more opportunity to individualize and to um you know really hone in on one athlete but at the same time like we do it with all our athletes where in the college setting you have a team so it's a little harder to do that, but yeah, man, context matters. That's, I think that's the biggest takeaway for coaches is, you know, context. So, yeah. Yeah. I love that you talked about the, you know, there's a hundred ways to skin a cat kind of thing, mm -hmm. because I think I, this happened to me when I was young and I first kind of realized that too, you think there's like the straight path to everything and this is the way everybody's yeah. got to be trained. And then you kind of have your first screw up or like something doesn't go right. And you're like, holy crap, like this isn't working. And mm -hmm. that's what makes, there's two directions you can go with that. You can continue on that same path and you're going to be a crappy coach. Mm -hmm. And you're going to just going to ride the coattails of whatever sport coach you're with. Yep. Which you'll see. Or you're going to take the different route, like, you, you know, you took and you're going to mm -hmm. find like the answers to like, okay, this isn't like, we're going to find a different way. You know, talk about a little bit about what you guys do with that individual program at Casey, you know, strength and conditioning. Cause I got to see it a little bit firsthand a couple of times I visited and man, it mm -hmm. is, it's dynamite, man. It is dude. And it depends on who you, um, who you watch coach. And that's kind of, that's the interesting thing. Like, cause yeah, like the three of us, Matt, John and I, we all have kind of similar foundations about how we're going to program and coach. But I, I am now an expert in knowing who wrote a program for which athlete. Okay. And so to me, I think, I think it's funny. 
So I'm like, oh, that's a John program. I can tell that's a John program just by the way he's, you know, the name of the exercise, what have you. So, um, yeah, so how we individualize do that, it all starts with um, the assessment. So our assessments, like we try to be as detailed as possible without making, you know, the athlete feel like they're broken. So right. it's, you know, it's, it's really easy to be saying like, oh, well, your scaps sit here and um, you have a low right shoulder, you have tight lats, your scaps are dumped forward, interior tilt. They're hearing all this and they're going, oh my God. I'm, I'm just a walking disaster. Like I'm just, so it's basically, you know, when we are telling them that they go, so what we're looking to do is trying to get you to get, you know, 60 degrees upper rotation, what happens. So it's, it's all about, it's all in the assessment, you know, when we individualize. So we're going to look at, you know, static posture because, you know, posture dictates function. Um, and you can learn a lot just from seeing how somebody presents when they're just um, standing there. You know, because they're gonna, their body's gonna sit in its natural position, right. based on you know, thousands of repetitions of of movement, and you know that's just what the body's gonna present. And then from there, you know, we're gonna see okay, like how do you get overhead? Um, we're gonna look at shoulder mobility, you know, range of motion at the shoulder, whether it's flexion or um, internal external rotation. You know, we look at the clavicles, like where do your clavicles sit? Right. Um, and a lot of that stuff comes from, you know, when Matt was at, was at Cressy. Um, cause I used to do just like a, like a movement screen, you know, like something really basic and just kind of see, you know, how does this athlete move, you know, in these different, different patterns. But then, uh, when I started it with KCSC and I was, you know, I would sit with Matt while he would do assessments and I'm just sitting there with a notepad and it, you would have thought I was in freaking chemistry class from, you know, all the stuff, all the detail that, you know, he goes into. Um, and that's, that's important, dude. Like the proof is in the pudding. So that assessment is, that's your make or break, man. You, the, the more detailed you can be without making someone feel like they're broken um, and kind of educating them on, you know, what you're seeing. Yeah. And based on, you know, what they feel. Cause you know, there's signs and then there's symptoms. Um, and a lot of, a lot of people are asymptomatic just cause they've done, you know, a comp, a compensation pattern for so long that it's just, it's just, you know, built in. So, so yeah, dude, individualization comes all the way down to that assessment. And then from there, you know, we're going to build that program. But another thing that we focus on is, you know, just cause I see something and, and I need, I know we need to correct this. We need to address this first. Like, I want to build a program that's for you. So I want to know like, what are your goals? Like, what do you want to get out of training? And if you're like, dude, I want bigger biceps. Like, cool, man, we're going to throw in some arm farm, you know, maybe once or twice a week. Cause that's, you know, creating, creating a culture too. Like that's a big thing. And we don't want it to be like, okay, well you're going to do what we want you to do. It's more like, you know, we're going to correct what we need to correct. But at the same time, I want you to achieve the goals that you want to achieve you know, within training. So, you know, that's another big part of that individualization. You said a, a pretty big point there on like creating the culture there and, and mm -hmm. making it where it's positive. Mm -hmm. And I, as somebody that has seen your guys' facility, everybody was smiling. Like it mm -hmm. looked like I've been in other facilities where people look miserable when they're training. Yeah. It's like, and especially with kids, you know, it, your guys' clientele is mostly baseball, softball kids, mm -hmm. correct? In the Kansas City yep. area. Yep. Okay. So, you know, these are kids that are getting dropped off by their parents mm -hmm. and 
Some of them maybe don't want to lift. I've seen in other facilities and you can just tell they don't want to be there. With when yeah. I saw your guys' facility, it was a place where like, hey, we're going to have fun in here and we're going to get the job done kind of thing. And I think that's a testament to what you guys are doing with that you know, individualized programming and tailoring exactly. to like what their goals are, man. Because mm -hmm. if you're not going to do that, then what's the point of them being there? Exactly. Because you're not putting the athlete first, in my opinion. No, you're not. And yeah. And that, yeah, the culture thing, man, that's, you know, we really pride ourselves on that because, you know, we hashtag a lot of stuff with KCSC fam. And, you know, it's because we feel like when you come and join our facility, like you're joining our family and um, like we care about you. We want to know what's going on in your life. And, um, you know, it's cool. Like when we have seniors that are graduating and, you know, they're inviting us to their graduation party and we're going to these different grad parties. Um, a lot of times we take our senior, like our high school seniors out for like a lunch before they go off to college. That's awesome. You know, just stuff like that, man. Like they're, we're all, they're human beings, you know, they're not like they're clients, they're paying us. Like they're also human beings. Like we care about them. And, um, you know, we want to know what you're going to do. Even if you guys decide to leave, like, you know, that's, we still want to, we still want the best for you. We want to know like, you know, what's going on with you even, even after KCSC. So yeah, dude, culture is a big thing. And, um, I mean, I, I, I know like, let's be honest, dude, working out, like it sucks. <laughs> like you don't like you're like, when you do a deadlift, man, you're not like, Oh yeah, dude, this is like, this is the cool, like this is the most fun thing ever. I know for some people it's like, you know, you love it, but during, no, it's not lifting weights in the moment is not fun. Right. Like it's, you're literally hurting. Like you're, you know, you're damaging your micro damaging your, um, your muscles, man. And it's, it's hard. It's, it's, it's painful, you know, um, not painful in the sense like you're injured, but you know, so yeah, we want you to come and have fun. So we're going to do everything we can. We're going to, we're going to joke around with you. You know, we're going to, we're going to take jabs at you and we want you to take jabs back at us. So yeah, man, culture, it's a big I thing. Yeah, I love it. You guys have a great culture there. And, and that little bit of time I've gotten to visit you guys. So, you know, kudos to you guys for actually, you know, creating something that, that the kids want to come to and have a positive environment and everything like that. Because like you said, that's, I think sometimes coaches will be transactional um, uh -huh. in our relationships. And that hurts the athlete because what if five years from now, they could have really used, you know, you at that time in the weight room and stuff like that. And you just, you nailed on the head. Nobody, most of the time, these athletes, they're not there. They don't like working out. They just want to play their sport. Our Absolutely. job is, as strength coaches is to help them be better at their sport, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, dude, I hate I – I mean, I love lifting, but in the moment, I hate it. <laughs> right. You know, when I pick up a barbell, I'm not like, oh, yeah, this is the greatest thing ever. I'm like, this is – this sucks. But, you know, to make that experience as, as positive as, as can be, and that's how you create adherence because – you know, that then they're going to be like, oh, I can't wait to come you know, to Kansas City Strength Conditioning and get a lift in and see, um, you know, see some of my friends. You know, we have a lot of people that become friends from working out at our place. And we think that is really cool. Like we have a satellite gym up, up in uh, Parkville and we have uh, guys that live in different areas and now they're carpooling together to come to the gym. And I'm like, dude, that's I think that's so cool. That's like badass. Just, yeah, that's, I think it's the coolest thing ever. So, so to kind of go back to your guys' assessment thing, so I kind of had the same aha moment too mm -hmm. when I worked with Nick White up at, over at Coastal Carolina. Yeah. He's a, he's, he was huge on assessment stuff too, took a lot of his stuff from, from Cressy. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> my thought <laughs> with the assessment stuff always was, you know, athletes are always going to be master compensators. Mm -hmm. but there are, 
I still think it's important to run an assessment because you need to know what are some like glaring things that are happening with an athlete. Would you probably agree with that? Oh, absolutely, dude. Absolutely. Because, you know, part of that assessment is you're learning um, that athlete's injury history. And if they have consistent shoulder pain, let's say they have consistent shoulder pain and it's anterior superior, you know, it's one of those things, it's one of those things you're gonna be like, okay, well, how do you get overhead? And you see them like, you know, they have humeral elevation. You're like, well, I can point, you know, that's, that's a glaring issue right there is you, you have poor scapular movement. You have um, humeral elevation where the humerals, the humeral heads actually come out of that socket. Like that's something you have to, to address. Like, yes, athletes are definitely master compensators, but if someone's got a consistent pain, pain point or a recurring injury, like I guarantee we're going to find, find out why in that assessment, you know, if you're detailed. Right. And I think too, by doing that, it allows you to be proactive on the front end of it Mm -hmm. instead of being reactive at the end of the day and a kid's having to get, you know, TJ or whatever it is later down the road. Mm -hmm. To me, that's just, I understand, I understand both sides of it because you got some people that are like assessment eh, not worth my time. But then I see like, there's a happy medium. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Why wouldn't you want to always be proactive instead of reactive? I, I feel like too many times people are so reactive to things where if we would have just done something from the beginning, mm-hmm. shit, we would have changed a lot of things probably. Well, man, uh, also like the assessment, that's your time to sell your program. Like, yeah, that too. Because I mean, we're going to retest. We're going to retest a few things. Like if we see some, we see that someone's real bound up and they're real tight. Like we're going to, we're going to do some, you know, some drills some, whether it's just like a simple breathing drill or uh, like some sort of, you know, something, some corrective, we're going to do that. And we're going to retest and we're going to show you like, Hey, we saw this in your assessment. Right. We saw like a, you know, a deficiency in this movement. We're going to throw in this corrective real quick and we're going to retest and see if that corrective worked. And if it does it. work, it's like, Hey man, look, look, we know what we're doing. You know, that's, that's like, to me, like an assessment's a time for you to sell your program. So one, two, it keeps, it gives you a baseline to, to see if the program's working for those retests that you just talked about. Yeah. Absolutely. How many times, how many times do you do a program and you're like, <clears throat> think it's working. Okay. Maybe if we had assessed test in the beginning, let's do a test in the middle and at the end. Right. I think yeah. typically most people do do that, but some people still to this day, they won't do that. And I'm like, why you, you can find if the proof is in the pudding or not. Yeah. Absolutely. Up. Absolutely. And I wish I had this picture, man, but um, one of our athletes, uh, Luke, his name is Luke Sasaya. He was a dude that used to be just super down and back. And after just, you know, months and years of training, like the dude is like, he's almost kyphotic now. Like he's one of those dudes we've trained out of extension and into um, kyphosis. And now it's like, oh, we had to train him back a little bit to extension. <laughs> so it's like, um, this is what consistency can do, man. And like, just shows like, why you reassess, you know? Yeah. You do that. Like you said, that initial assessment and then down the road, yeah, we're going to reassess you and keep going because it's, it's never ending. Well, my thing too, especially with like with in your guys's demographic of baseball, softball athletes, there's so many overuse injuries. I mean, you play baseball yourself. You understand what, yep. what do you, I think too, if you know this, especially your guys' demographic, you have really got to know that sport and what those athletes are going through on a day-to-day. I'm not saying you have to be a, you know, Juco bandit like yourself and Matt, yeah. Yeah. but 
you know, you got to understand what these athletes are going through on a day-to-day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And even, you know, sports that we don't know a lot about, like, you know, lacrosse, we take, you know, we take time in that assessment too. Like, dude, it all, it all comes back to the assessment. Like we take time in the assessment. If it's a sport we don't know very well, like, you know, I've trained rugby athletes. I don't know rugby from, from, from an atom, dude. So it's, you take that time dude, to learn about, you know, what they do in practice, like learn about, you know, what they do in that sport, you know, consistently. Right. So you can kind of understand like, Oh, like, no wonder you're having like shin splints or whatever. Um, it's cause you're, you're always like you run, you never take a break from running. So how about we don't really do a whole lot of running in your program, you know? With, right. It's just, dude, the assessment is so important. You just have to reverse engineer things. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, th- I think if you sit back, reverse engineer, look at your sport, understand, and then look at the athlete. I think you're going to put them in the best position forward. And I don't think that takes a lot of time. And that's where you talked about it a little bit ago. I think that's where the, the difference comes from the different avenues from like high school to college to the private sector. That's the beautiful thing. You know, I didn't really know about the private sector in my time in the industry. And now seeing it, I'm like, man, that, that is a great avenue for kids to get those little yeah. things done that might not happen in their high school. Because we're in the Kansas City area. I've seen some horrible high school strength and conditioning around here. Of course you have. <laughs> it's terrible. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is so bad. So you, you guys are just uh, doing all those bad that they're, <laughs> that's happening. Yeah. Uh, yeah, dude. And it's, you can't blame, like, you can't blame the kids because no. you know, they, they don't know. You don't know what you don't know. And when you're in high school, you think you're, you think you're getting good coaching when you come to us and we see your squat and we're like, oh, God, we got some work to do. So yeah, dude, high school. Um, and that's not, we're not, t- not trying to take a dig at, you know, high school. There's some good high school strength coaches, but yeah. a majority of them, you know, it's just, it's very old school and it's usually all football oriented. So. Yeah. My, my wife and I, we talk about this all the time is I was very blessed and my, and my high school strength coach was, he was an awesome guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he did studies on us with like chocolate milk yeah. Got the progressions correctly. Like I knew how to lift the moment I got in that weight room when I was in high school. But the football players did. She mm-hmm. didn't as a basketball player though. So she yeah. suffered because no one ever really took that time with her th- than they should have, you know, and then, you know, thankfully she, you know, married this stud of me and, and I got to teach her <laughs> a few things, you know what I mean? Yeah, but man. so I think there, you know, that's a detriment to the athlete because they don't know what they don't know. And then I don't, I'm not upset with the coaches either because if, if they don't know, they don't know either. You can't be upset mm-hmm. with them. And that's, you can just educate them, but <clears throat> then that's where the argument comes. Like they should go get educated if they're going to be doing something like that. Right. Or, or they need to be better at, you know, being resourceful and outsourcing to people like us who yes. know what we're doing. And like, this is what we're here for. Um, you know, we're always open to have conversations with people. Um, yeah, we're a business, but at the same time, you know, we want to be proponents of the industry. Like we want this industry to grow. Um, and I think a lot of times, yeah, those coaches, they want to, they want to do it all. And that's a, that's detrimental to the the athlete and their athlete's health and their performance. When you have, you know, we out, we outsource to PTs, we outsource to, um, nutritionists, like, you know, um, you know, you had Wendy, you had Wendy on, um, which I thought, I thought was so cool because 
nutrition is such a huge aspect that as strength coaches, we don't really talk about as much. Right. I mean, cause we, we consult with our athletes. Like we know about, we know enough about nutrition that we can, we can give it to those athletes in layman's terms. But as far as like programming for like a nutrition plan, we're not going to do that because that's outside our scope of practice. We're going to outsource to professional and we use uh, Greg Ferris over at MyoBrain. Um, he's kind of who we outsource to. And he's, you know, he's a genius. Like he's like anybody that listens to this podcast, any coaches out there, like he's a guy you need to follow um, along with Wendy. Cause when I listened to the episode with Wendy, which first off, um, she answered my question, in great detail, <laughs> which I was like, that's pretty cool to hear my question on the, on the podcast. So, <laughs> um, so thanks for that, Wendy. And um, she just provided, she provided so much information and she yep. helped, you know, connect the dots. Um, Cause she can answer, you know, nutrition questions infinitely better than I can. Yep. She, she's an expert. I'm not going to sit here and try and tell you what foods you should be eating as an athlete. I know that you need more protein. I know you probably need more carbs and you probably should get a whey supplement because I guarantee you're not getting enough, but yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to outsource people like Wendy and let her talk to athletes about nutrition. And I think it's cool too. She, I think she said she's sitting for her CSCS, I think. Yeah. Um, which I think is so important because you know, that way when, when I'm talking, she understands what I'm saying. Um, I wish I could, I can't get to the level that she's at with nutrition, but you know, I can, I can listen to what she says and I say, Hey, here's what a professional, um, you know, in the nutrition industry is saying. So let's go ahead and let her cover that. And you know, if she can understand what we're saying, perfect, dude. Like it's that's awesome. how the industry needs to work. Okay. Exactly. And that's the problem to- with the industry. It's like, you're seeing like, people that are going way out of their scope and what they should be doing. Mm-hmm. And to kind of point what you're saying about the myo brain stuff, that guy is awesome. I've been following. Yep. I don't know how I found him. That might've been when I was uh, with Matt or something like that. I don't know. Probably. probably. Dude, he is incredible. He's another great resource. And of course, Wendy, I mean, Wendy is like you said, she can explain things so easy and so much more in detail than any of us probably ever. I mean, for sure than we ever could. Mm-hmm. So and I think it's important, like you said, to outsource them. I get friends and family members all the time that, and I'm sure you do too. They ask nutrition questions and I can only give them like that bare basic answer. Like, well, you just need protein. But like, if you really want to get some questions answered, like these are the people to go to, go to Wendy, yep. go to the people at my brain. And as like a coach, if you can like drop the ego and, you know, and like that, and that's a problem too. I see with a lot of coaches, it's like, <clears throat> they, they don't want to drop the ego down. And they don't want to outsource to it because they don't have control over that. Right. Right. It's all about control. People love control. It's crazy. Do. Especially in this industry, man. Yeah. If you, you want to be uh, as coaches, we want to be a Swiss army knife and it's like, no man, be, you know, be a freaking hunting knife, dude, have a purpose, have a niche. It's, it's, I think it's a valuable thing to have a niche. Like, you know, we're a baseball softball niche. doesn't mean we don't have other athletes in there, but, like we want, if you're, if you play baseball, we want to be known that like, oh, that's the place to go. KCSC, you know, for, for baseball players, but yeah, man, ego. It's a, well, it's, it's a, so I, I have a good example of this. So um, I, I was never really good uh, Olympic lift. I, I never really taught it really that great. 
you know, mm-hmm. and that was something that, you know, a lot of people like to have in their program. I just didn't program it because mm-hmm. I wasn't good at it. So <clears throat> instead of putting it in the program, having it be detrimental to the athlete, because I can't coach it as well as I should. Right. Well, let's fi- let, let me find a different way that I can do it. And then yeah. I will go and meet with other people that they can teach me how to do it. Right. That's how it's supposed mm-hmm. to work. But instead yeah. you'll see people that they just have their agenda. Like, no, we do this squat. We do this bench press. And yep. then that's what it is. Yep. Right. Yeah, dude. No, like know your limitations. That's yeah. nothing. There's nothing wrong with that. Dude, you're not, you're not a good coach if you don't look back on old programs you wrote and you want to punch yourself in the face, uh-huh. okay? You are not a good coach if you, if you don't do that. Because me, four years ago, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I was, I was you know, fake it till you make it kind of thing. Now, you know, obviously I look at programs now and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm picking low-hanging fruit for this athlete. Um, no, I think to be a good coach, you have to be kind of a good, a good thief, yeah. And what I mean by that is, you know, when you see, cause there's social media, like people we're posting everything. Like one of my favorite people to follow and steal from is Connor Harris. I don't know if you follow him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's out of, out of, uh, Oregon. And I think he's a crested guy too. Um, that dude is so smart and he's all about, um, positioning, like, you know, hip, hip, hip and rib positioning and just the small details that he, that he points out with certain exercises or certain movements. Like, dude, I steal that stuff all the time and I implement it into how I coach a squat, a deadlift or an accessory movement or a corrective money, right. um, general core. Um, you know, that was one of the big things like on my podcast, like early on, I don't remember what episode I had Tony general core on. Um, wow. I, don't know how I, I don't know how I did it, dude, but I pulled it off. Yeah. Um, but I, but he, he talked about, he talks about the same thing, dude, is being able to steal from other coaches um, cause that's how you're going to build your arsenal and just add more notches on your tool belt. Yep. Um, yeah, dude, like if you have, if you have the blinders on, like you're stuck in one, you're stuck in one lane. If you can take the blinders down and see what's around you, like you're opening up so much more for your athletes. And exactly. like that should be, that should be our focus as coaches is how can I be better for my athletes? Um, so yeah, dude, like, be a good thief. I just talked with another coach about that. And, and, and well, to, to counter on the, on the thief thing, I think it's the little, uh, damn it. What's the name of that book? Little book of talent. I don't know. It's like 56 pages. It's like, like each chapter is like one or two pages. And mm-hmm. I think it's chapter one or two is like uh, steal from those that are great. And what they mm-hmm. meant by that is exactly what you just said. Like yep. look at those around you that are doing great things and just steal from what they're doing and, and make it into your own spin, like learn from it. Right. But then Absolutely. I talked to another coach the other day and we both agreed on this. It's like, I don't agree with CrossFit training, but there's like little pieces of CrossFit. I'm like, I kind of maybe like that. I might yeah. use that for my athlete. Right. Instead of being like, I don't agree with it, but there are things that are okay with it, with bodybuilding, with powerlifting, with, with whatever it is. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm going to find little things of every program and just tweak it to my own because at the end of the day, what's the main goal to get the athlete better at their sport to make them injury resilient. Like we were talking about earlier, like Mm -hmm. that's what you have to do as a coach, like drop the ego down and say, okay, I might not agree with everything he says. I've Mm -hmm. worked with people. I don't agree with what they're doing, but I'm like, damn it. Like that works. Like what they did works. Like I'm going to steal that for sure. Yeah, dude. Hey, I've made my peace with CrossFit. I used to be, I used to advocate against it so much that 
I finally, like you just said, dude, like you, you find little bits and pieces and it kind of makes you mad because you're like, I, I'm supposed to yes. hate, I'm supposed to hate this, but that's, that's good coaching right there. And I'm going to, I'm going to include that, but no, I will never ever think it's okay to do a kipping pull up ever. No. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care who you are. I will never do that either. Even if like, I know this would never happen, but even if Eric Cressy was like, yeah, kipping pull-ups are, kipping pull-ups are good. I would say no. I would still say no, even if it was the, the great Eric Cressy. So. For sure, man. For sure. Yeah. Well, um, kind of wind down a little bit here. I want to want to get some of what your resources were. Obviously, you know, probably the coaches you work with, you work with two awesome guys. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what else helps you be not only a good coach, but a good person, you know? As coaches, we have, you know, it can be kind of hard where you get stuck in, in your weight room, in your facility. You know, we all have other uh, things outside of the weight room that, that help us. You know, what helps you? Man, um, I just, I try to find hobbies. And, you know, one big hobby, like if anyone follows me on Instagram, sometimes I, I post, man, I, I play guitar. So, like, doing stuff like that, some, it, stimula- it's, it, it stimulates my mind. It, may, it helps me be creative. Um, podcasting, I haven't done it in God knows how long. but Go ahead and plug it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the untamed podcast, man. Um, I can't, I think my last episode was earlier this year. I don't even remember, dude. That's how bad it was. I did 50 episodes, man. And I stopped doing it and I don't, and you know, life happens, but it's all good, man. I play guitar, um, podcast, man. What else do I do? I don't do a whole lot, man. Bourbon. Obviously I drink bourbon, you know, what's your favorite bourbon? Oh man. Right now I think Eagle rare. I'm going to plug Eagle Rare. Eagle Rare is pretty good. It's, it's one of we, my favorites, man. My wife and I, we lived about three miles away from Buffalo Trace. Did you? Man, it was awesome. We would go on the tours like maybe once every like two weeks. They'd have a free tour, and they would give you Buffalo Trace, Eagle Rare, White Dog, some kind of Wheatley Vodka, and I can't remember the other one. Man, Eagle Rare oh, is so man. good. It's awesome. It is so good. It is so smooth. And I know, strength coach, dude. We shouldn't be advocating for alcohol, but – you know what? I need something to, you know, cap off the night. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, dude. I, I like sipping bourbon. Uh, I, I smoke cigars, dude. Like, oh my god, oh, a strength man. coach that drinks and smokes cigars. I'm, I'm the worst, dude. I'm a human <laughs> being, man. I'm a human being. I have vices. Um, exactly. Tattoos, dude. I love getting tattoos. Like, I don't know what it is, but it's therapeutic for me. Yeah. Um, I hope I don't get addicted to it. I don't want my body filled with tattoos, but hopefully, I'll, hopefully, I'll stop. My mom hates it. But, um, I think she'll, I hope, hopefully she uh, makes peace with it someday. But yeah, dude, I think, you know, I think coaches should have hobbies, you know, shoot. Matt, I know Matt's big, big into hunting. So yeah. uh, he's trying to get me into it. I have guns, dude. I've never been hunting a day in my life. I mean, I, I wish I, I wish I'd go hunting, but. I just want to go hunting for the free meat, man. That's, that's <laughs> the big thing for me. Just give me some free yeah. meat. Dude, Matt's given me some venison before and it's, it's phenomenal. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. But yeah. So if people want to reach out to you, how can they reach out to you? Man, the best way to reach out to me is social media. If you're a nice, a nice person and we get along, maybe I'll give you my phone number. Um, oh yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm big on Twitter. I'm big on Instagram. Um, I'm, I have a love hate relationship with Facebook, but yeah, Twitter, Instagram, man, at um, at the real Stanzy, and that's S T A N Z Y. It's a nickname I got, um, and and a JUCO from the great Alex Kelly. 
Um, he played at SLU. He, he nicknamed me uh, Stanzi after Ricky Stanzi. Yeah. The Iowa quarterback. Yeah, so yeah. Just kind of stuck. So. He played for the Chiefs for a minute too, Ricky Stanzi? He did. He yeah. did. Yeah, he did. Can you talk real quick? I know we're winding down. Just a brief, brief synopsis of what it was like playing Juco baseball. It was, it was the most horrifyingly amazing experience ever because I met probably the greatest group of guys ever. Um, but, man, Juco will beat your ass into the ground, and it won't stop until you leave. Yeah. And Matt, Matt would agree with me. But, man, there's no rules at Juco. So. All right, guys, I've got Ryan back here. We had some connection issues. Yeah, we changed clothes in the middle of it. Yeah, we might be in different rooms, too. It might be on a different day. I don't know. But uh, when Ryan left off, you had a great story you are going to tell us about your time in JUCO, brother. Yeah, dude. First off, all that's true. All that's true. I got a mic in front of me now. I got, I'm in a whole different room. It's a whole different day. Um, yeah, dude, so my JUCO story. Um, I have a million of them. But I think the best one that kind of epitomizes my experience was my freshman year. We were – it was a cold day. It was like uh, – I think it was – either right it was either right before christmas break or it was uh in january like preseason um it was like 10 degrees outside like it was freaking cold and it's people gotta understand like juco they don't they don't have like regulations like ncaa so like if it's if it's below a certain temperature ncaa like oh you're in you're inside so juco we had you know no rules obviously so it's 10 degrees outside we get done with uh practice and I remember uh, coach calls all the freshmen out to center field and we're all just kind of looking at each other. We're like, Oh God, this is kind of weird. And th- they're telling the sophomores to go home. And so it's kind of weird, kind of weird deal. We're all at center field and it's just uh, coach Finney and all of us. So coach Finney was our head coach. And then uh, out of nowhere, we see both of our assistant coaches, uh, coach Dudley. Um, and I forget the other guy's name. That's, that's unfortunate. Again, this was like nine years ago, so which is which is even crazier. Um, so we see them like they're walking up, and they got two trash bags in their hands, and we're just kind of like, "What's like, what is going on?" So they take the trash bags, they dump it out right in front of us, and of course, what do you know? Just two trash bags full of liquor bottles come pouring out of those trash bags, and I just felt I felt the life leave my body because I knew there was no way we were getting out of this without you know, some sort of just ass kicking. So Finney calmly just kind of looks at it and looks at us and tells us to go to the uh, left field foul line. So we're over on the left field foul line, tells us to lay down. And wouldn't you believe it? We're, we're log rolling, man. We're log rolling in 10 degree weather after a full practice. So we're log rolling and he's telling us different spots, center field or right field foul pole back to left field foul pole whole time we're rolling. And I, I remember at one point I was so dizzy. I, I, I'm not gonna lie to you. I puked, I puked my guts up. I puked my guts up. And the worst part was, was, you know, as we're rolling, like there's everyone's puking. So you're rolling over frozen puke. And yeah, it was, it was rough. And one of my teammates and I'm not trying to air out his dirty laundry, but Des, my boy Des, he uh, starting left fielder gets up in the middle of it and just goes, "F you, Finney! I'm not doing this. I don't need this." 
walks off the field. They're they're jawing back and back and forth, and he walks off the field. Meanwhile, we're all still log rolling, and it's. I think we were out there for probably an hour log rolling. It was it was a wild experience. We were out there for so long. It felt. It may not have been an hour, but it felt like an hour, at least an hour. Sophomores are <laughs> sophomores are driving by in their cars, trying to figure out what's going on. Um, and I remember after that, like we finally we get done, and choose our ass out again. And I've never been so disoriented um, to the point where, like, I I physically could not walk. Like I physically could not walk, and we had like people stumbling, like crawling over to. Luckily, the athletic facility is right. It connects to our field. So luckily it's it's not a long walk, but man, it felt like a long walk back to that facility. And I think I stayed in the locker room for probably another hour just to, just, uh, just, just to get my bearings, dude. And like, cause I I was just, I was out of it and so, so much was going on. We we just got our ass chewed. We just got done with a really cold practice. We log rolled for all we know, our starting left fielder just quit in the middle of log rolling, a lot going on. And we had weights that night. And so I didn't even leave. I just stayed there changing my workout clothes and was hoping I could, you know, recover. I felt like, I felt like a freaking uh, MMA fighter dude that just, just took a, took a shot on the chin. And you know, like what they say, when you take a shot on the chin, you change levels, you go down, try to recover. I feel like I was trying to recover dude from getting, getting wobbled on my feet and I couldn't recover. And so we had to go lift weights after that. And then Des comes back. He apologizes to the coach, apologizes to the team. We're like, dude, whatever, whatever, dude, like it's over. We just want it to be over. So that pretty much sums up Juco for any, any of you aspiring collegiate athletes out there that are thinking of playing college baseball. Juco, Juco life is the real life. Juco life is real. And when you watch that show, um, Last Chance You. Yeah. Like, man, it's it's hard nose. It's not it's not for the faint hearted, dude. It's pretty that's a pretty uh realistic um interpretation of, of Juco life. So watch that show. If you can't if you can't hang with it, then maybe, you know, don't do it. But it was it was a great experience. I grew as a I grew as a person from it. I tell you, I tell you what. But when I went to NC, when I went to Division Two, man, wow, was I pampered? Life was so much easier at the NCAA level. So much easier. Yeah, my so. my wife she uh, she played JUCO uh, college basketball, so she's got some wild stories as well. And yeah, dude. Oh, I bet. She she said that too as well. It's like when she got to uh, you know D two level. She was like, it was like being in paradise compared to what Juco life oh, was yeah, like. So. It's so much easier. And you're about to, you're about to have a kid. Is that right? Yeah. Two weeks. Two weeks, dude. Congrats, man. That's exciting. That's Appreciate awesome. it, brother. Appreciate Absolutely. you, brother. Well, I know that I've had you on here now twice, uh, two different times to record, but for the same episode, but you know, man, plug all of your information. Uh, people want to reach out to you. You know, how can they get in contact with you? I know you got your own podcast as well, so plug yep. that. Too. Yep. So I haven't done the podcast in a while, but, you know, I've been kind of itching to get back into it. Um, my podcast is called The Untamed Podcast. Um, you can – it's on Spotify. Um, I think Spotify is probably the best place to find it. 
Um, yeah, 50 episodes in on that podcast. Um, Twitter and Instagram is at the real Stanzy, um, S T A N Z Y. Um, we talked about it earlier in the episode. I know that, but when when whiskey's flowing, man, I, I would I I would hop on Twitter, dude, and see what I'm up to because I always have some shit to say when I'm when I'm drinking whiskey. So that's all that's all I got, man. Well, even when you're not drinking, brother, you're always putting up good information, man, and always fun to to connect with. And I just appreciate you being on the podcast. And we got a big fight going on tomorrow night. We For do. The listeners, you know, tomorrow is Habib versus uh, Gaethje. Who you got yep. for the fight? I already told you I'm, I'm wanting Gaethje to win, but I, I got to yeah. feel like he's probably going to smoke You know him. what? You know what? I'm with you. I want Gaethje. I think it's going to be Habib. But people forget that Gaethje came into the MMA world as an All-American Division One wrestler. Yep. So I think he's going to – I think he'll surprise some people with his wrestling against Habib. I could be wrong. He could end up getting knocked out, and then both of us would be shocked. But <laughs> – I don't know. I think I think Gaethje's the scariest thing for Habib right now. Plus, I don't even think Hab- there's a little controversy right now if Habib really made weight. There's a little controversy. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. He, Dolce. He, he did not look very good either. No, he was. In my opinion. You saw how. Yeah, he didn't, man. You saw how uh, when when they said he was on when he made weight. You saw how he was just like that big sigh of relief so something, something's going on with the with the weight cut and he, he struggled with weight cuts in the past too so i'm not entirely shocked but well and i think tr- having trevor whitman as your coach too with gaichi genius man i mean i do every even for like strength conditioning any coach go listen to trevor whitman when he talks to people that is i mean he is amazing for a coach man yeah dude like i think after his fight with poirier when he fought ferguson man like just the difference in how he approached fighting. It, it was, it was remarkable. It's like, you know, the sky's the limit for that guy. Absolutely. I, I agree with you. Trevor Whitman, genius. Well, there's like a small adjustment he made in that Ferguson fight. I can't remember. It was in the second or third round in between where he's like, he's like, you're throwing a hundred. I need you to throw 70%. Yeah. He said back off 10, back yeah. off 10. He's like, and you're I'm trying like, to kill him. This is, I'm like small little thing. And like, Obviously, that's really good of Gaethje to be coachable, number one. Yep. But, like, for your coach to just really get in there, I don't know. I love him, man. He's a great coach. Clean shots, and look what it did. You broke one of the baddest dudes in the lightweight division. Yeah, and that's the thing that's scary about Ferguson with him coming back. I don't know if he's ever going to be the same after that fight. Personally, I don't know. I don't know, dude. Well, people said that about um, T-City, man. And look what he did. He dismantled Korean Zombie. He, he changed up his fight camp and he focused in on his striking and just dominated dude. So, I mean, uh, Ferguson's a guy that, you know, he could easily bounce back and, you know, destroy, destroy people. Absolutely. So. He's such a strong little guy too, but all right, brother, yeah. we'll keep you on here much longer. Uh, appreciate you being on the podcast. Yeah. Everybody make sure you reach out to Ryan. Okay guys. Heck yeah, man. Thanks for having me, brother. No problem. Everybody stay strong.